Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Welcome to Weekend Gardening with your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mama's on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. It is pretty close to winter out there, folks. I have on socks and shoes and long pants and a coat and oh my goodness. What's going on at your place? The temperatures are in the southeast, uh, finally making our way into what resembles winter. Now, here's the thing for us gardeners. That means that those last plants that you've got outside because you knew they could take it right up until time for them to come inside, bring them inside today. The tropical plants do not need to be outside when the temperatures get below 40 degrees, and some of them will actually be damaged. Certainly, they will slow down their growth. Yes, what does this mean for me? Well, this means that as a primarily container gardening person, I have to cover up for a few things outside in, in the grow table, by the way. Thank you very much, our friends in the Pine Belt, Master Gardeners. Um, those will be, I'll getting the, be getting those covered up. But there's going to be a tomato plant in my uh, living room tonight. The good news is it still has tomatoes ripening on it, and I have a nice bright light. So until it decides to swoon, I'll be able to keep it inside. The citrus is still ripening in the hallway on the relatively small lemon tree. And a few other things are already indoors. But I will be leaving outside all the green onions, all the parsley, all of my overwintering annuals. And indeed, because I think it's going to be vigorously chilly this afternoon at my house, maybe at yours too, I'm going to be planting the rest of the daffodil bulbs. I think it's time. And that's uh, that's provided I can find my way through the Clara Curtis mums. The, 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 the daffodils theoretically come up after the Clara Curtis mums in that bed. And so, therefore, I have fall and then spring, right, in terms of color and flowers. Well, the Clara Curtis kind of got away from me. And even though I cut them all back, some of them are three feet tall. They're in full bloom, and they're beautiful. So I'm going to have to get in between those plants to nestle in some of the daffodils that I want to add to that particular bed. It's been mostly ice capades over the years. I've had a few other things in there. There's a couple of paper white narcissus type things. But I'm, I've got uh, a few antique bulbs that I want to put in there and then a beautiful collection of just sort of random daffodils that are going to go in. What's going on with you? Let's talk about it. Your garden is the business of this program. My name's Nellie Neal. I'm known as the Garden Mama because, well, that's what I do. 888-808-8637 is the Super Talk call line. 601-879-4395 is, of course, the C Spire text line. Greg's already weighing in this morning. So it's nice to uh, it's nice to hear you. Thank you, sir. Glad that you're with us this morning. And of course, the other question is always, what do you do next? Well, what you do next is realize that unless you're living where it's absolutely frigid, you still need to take care of all of those marvelous and wonderful overwintering annual flowers that you have, whether it's chrysanthemums or pansies or whatever, foxglove, you know, all those things. It's also time to plant larkspur in zone 8, 
It's also time to do, there's time to do a bunch of stuff. So we can, you tell me what you're up to and we'll talk about my con- concept of your timing for it. That's a good thing to get into today. It's uh, not too late, of course, to plant seeds for quite a few perennials. Coreopsis is the one that I usually think of because that's uh, one of my very favorites. And of course, it's the, the state wildflower of Mississippi, so I'm particularly fond of it. Don's in Gulfport. Oh, beautiful obedient plant. It is obeying well. It looks lovely. I, I love obedient plant. You know that they're, they, they could have been called Marshall plants, M-A-R-T-I-A-L, because they are literally lined up perfectly along their stem. Their flowers, their flowers go straight up in a perfectly geometric arrangement. Now, if the notion of obedient makes you feel like it's going to be a plant that you can just put out there and ignore, don't do that. If you over-fertilize it, if you leave it alone for too long, it'll be six feet tall and taking over the space of all your other plants in a couple of years. But it is a marvelous perennial plant and a beautiful flower. You just, we always get into that, and I'm sure Don does in Gulfport. We, we have that point where we think, well, I need to cut back that lantana, for example, or some other thing. Another, I've got, I've got a couple of cone flowers that are still blooming, but they don't look very good. They've gotten a little mildew on them, and, and this, this weather is going to be just the cool that a lot of those plants need to give you the inspiration to get out there and cut them back. What happens if we don't cut them back, of course? Well, we end up with plants that are either too big or they only bloom on their edges or, we, you know, we end up with me- a mess. And put, cutting back perennials is oftentimes something that we overlook. But the good news is this is only the beginning of the time to do that in 7, 8, and 9. So you can have plenty of time to do those things. I do like obedient plant. I like that color pink particularly. I think it's a beautiful one. Um, if someone offers it to you, take it, but put it a little bit. I think it would make a really good left-alone bed if you want to ignore it with things like cashmere bouquet because they could kind of, you know, they could kind of duke it out, as it were. Um, and it's a beautiful, beautiful plant, though. And I love the flowers. They last a long time in the vase. That's the other good, really good part about it. If you're going to plant those coreopsis, or any other perennial seeds this month, get yourself a clean area, rake it out, get rid of the weeds, because they will win the competition ultimately. And then I suggest that you do work in, we were talking, I was talking with a friend this week about um, whether or not to do some prep if you're putting in lawn at, at, at this time of the year, a little further south than where I am. And my answer is, depends on your soil test, but in general, Perennials will benefit from a rich, well-drained soil as long as you can rake it smooth and perhaps cover up the seeds until they sprout. kind of depends on what they are, but sometimes they need that excess moisture kept into them, particularly in a dry spell like you might be having at your place. Gail's in Macomb. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. What's on your mind today? Hey, Gail. Uh, Hey, good morning. Um, I was wondering about my smoke tree. I was out there though yesterday, and I noticed some of my leaves have they're they've got some black integrated with the green. Mm-hmm. And I also noticed some deeping on it, and I pulled off about three or four caterpillars. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, what is what is <laughs> is that detrimental to my tree? I mean, will it die? Well, or? no, not it's not likely to die. We're seeing. 
there are quite a few plants at this time in in what what I'm trying to happily call the transition, which is sometimes where you want to look the other way, you know, because it's not not doing its best. But we are having a lot of leaves I noticed on my hydrangeas that are just gray in places. That's separate from the caterpillar issue. Um, but the gray part, they're going to fall off. You just rake those out, and they're, they're going to fall off anyway at some point. So when they do, just be sure that you do the garden cleanup and rake them out of the way so that if they're holding on to some sort of pathogen, you don't end up leaving that under your tree. But in the case of the caterpillars, you're wise to pluck off all that you can. Um, you, you might want to send me a picture so I can identify it, but it actually doesn't matter at this point in the year. Um, they're going to eat what they can eat, and if you can get them off of your plant, and just keep looking at it each day to be sure no more are hatching. Turn some of the, um, wherever you found them, whatever part of the tree they were on, turn that over and make sure you're not seeing any more eggs that are likely to hatch again. But I think even in Macomb, the temperatures are going to be chilly enough that this will probably be their last gasp and um, for this particular year. The good news is that if it's not, you, you know, you can continue to take them off. But if you feel like it's going to continue, this is the time to spray with a dipel or a spinosad to take care of that particular problem on the tree. It's not, it's not likely to be a big problem, especially since you've already taken them off. Okay. What color are their eggs? Um, it depends on the caterpillar, but usually they're about the size of the head of a pin, and they'll be in clusters on the back side of the stem, or the back side of where the actually where the leaf meets the tree, usually along the stem there. So take a look there. I I tore them off and throw them away. Good, good. You did exactly the right thing. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate that. I'm I'm kind of like I'm, I'm I think I'm very much like you. If I don't, if I'm not intending to raise that particular caterpillar, I'm getting it out of there. And I know there are folks that believe that you know that's a horrible thing. I'm telling you, we're not committing genocide. We're just protecting our trees. So, <laughs> can you tell me one more thing? Sure. When if do I can. you dig up hot pokers and move them? You know, that's funny. I was staring at my hot pokers yesterday and thinking, when am I going to dig these things up? Because they're still so bright green, um, and I I really think they can handle it, but. I would want to do it soon, before we would be into nighttime temperatures that were going to stay in the 30s, for example. I wouldn't. I don't think that would be good for their transition. But red hot poker plant or nephophia, for those of you who look up that sort of stuff, um, are are beautiful, beautiful plants. But they are rugged, and I don't. I don't really know what the best time is. Theoretically, we would do it in the season opposite their bloom, so it would be fall. But I'm going to say go ahead and do it pretty quickly so they can get resettled before they actually have to kind of take a rest for the for the winter. And happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you very much. Good month for this. I've been thinking about that. We've been hearing all about, uh, thank you, Gail, we've been hearing about all those, this shortage and that shortage and the other thing that's happening in the supply line and all these sorts of things. And I I just have to tell you that I can't imagine we're not going to have enough turkey. We just will figure this out. You know, we, we will figure this out. Melissa is from Summit, and she is in on the C Spire text line. She's got a, she wants to grow a Bradford pear tree from a sucker that is growing from the parent. If so, how do I do it? If it is coming out of the ground, um, oftentimes you can simply cut around it. You'll be getting a piece of the root of the main tree, but you'll also be getting the roots that this sprout has formed. If, however, it's coming off the side of the tree, like up on the trunk, you will need to... Here's what I would do if I wanted to do that. I would, 
if I had that one that I couldn't dig up because it's attached to the tree, I'm going to wait until the tree loses its leaves. And by the way, the Bradford pears are beautiful by me. I hope they are by you, too. Gorgeous red and crepe myrtles, too. Oranges. Oh, beautiful colors. Anyway, the, the, the rootingness is going to be easier if it has no leaves on it. And you may even want to consider adding it to a collection of the root, the kind of rooting that we do in the wintertime from hardwood, where we take hardwood cuttings from the tree itself as well as this one that you're going to cut off the side, put them into a sand bed or sand, you know, a box of sand and keep them damp for the winter. That kind of process that I usually talk about in December because we don't get around to it until then most of the time. But that would probably be the way to do that. But I would wait until the leaves fall off to start that. Um, We do miss him, but he's not here today. <laughs> Bill's in Poplarville, also on the ceasefire text line this morning. He has a, a small uh, five, five plum tree. I'm not sure if that means it's five inches or five feet or whatever. Anyway, um, should I put it in the ground in the next week or so? Yes, again, if it's dropped its leaves. It's easier on the tree for the transition if, if we've gotten enough cool weather to help them drop their, their leaves. So I would say, yeah, we think about planting fruit trees in January, but that's usually because when they're that's when they're available. Um, Not all oaks and river birches. Anthony's in Ellisville and wants to do some pruning. That's really going to be the week between Christmas and New Year's would be about the earliest. And that kind of depends on the temperature where you are. We'd like them to be at their point where they're not going to try to sprout again immediately because we want them to rest after they're pruned so i would wait until at least christmas and maybe a little bit later than that you know because we have we have plenty of time for all of these tasks and it is a good idea to kind of put them on a calendar and decide where you're where you're going with it all it can get kind of busy i'll tell you what in addition to looking at the red hot pokers in front of my house i've been uh staring at the grasses in front of my house in the space between the sidewalk and the street the ones up the street you know this is part of the the road the improvement project they planted these all up and down on my street way miles and miles and miles um the ones up the street where my friend lives are on the east side of the street they're better drained that side of the street drains better than the west side where i live and hers are full tilt muley grass pink blooms it, it's absolutely magnificent. If I had a little tiny child, I would want to stand them up next to these flowers because it's so gorgeous. It would be such a beautiful picture. Mine are not quite, don't stay quite as wet as my neighbors do. His are dead now because that part floods, okay? And I don't know what else is going on, but the neighbors across the street have had to actually rebuild some stuff. So I think theirs is staying a little too wet, too. So... What do we do about that? Well, the good news is that it will soon be time to cut back ornamental grasses. And after I cut these down for the winter, when if, if they do or don't do anything next year, well, we'll see. There may be a few replacements up and down the street. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> ah, it's a grafted plum with five different plum varieties. Good grief, Bill. That sounds like fun. Um, yeah, I would wait until the leaves drop off, and then I would plant it. Absolutely. Prepare that soil now, though. Um, and I guess they're going to pollinate each other? I don't know. I wonder what the varieties are. Very cool. I have seen that with dogwoods and with plums, and sometimes they can be very, very beautiful. 
Hmm. Brenda's in Hattiesburg. These look like Leland Cypress, and there's a one of them has turned brown in a couple of weeks. The other one that started turning brown seems to have stopped. Oh, this is so tricky. Leland Cypress is not um, the world's easiest tree to grow. And I say that to you with my heart on my sleeve because I think they're beautiful. Let me stare at this picture a little while during our break, and I'll let you know how we can do this. I will say this. I actually did look this up, and it says here on this website, it says, an average-sized tree can provide enough wood to make about 170,000 pencils. Wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. I appreciate how difficult it is to make pencils nowadays. I didn't realize that the lead comes from one place and the pencil comes from another place and everywhere else. She says these are not Leland's. She can't remember the name. Well, I'm gonna, when I get to the break, I will get into the picture and be able to stare and look, look a little bit closer and blow it up. That's the only way I can tell the difference in some of their, um, some of the cypress foliage. Really, ha- I have to look at it closely to know the difference. Okay? All right. Well, y'all are being just so sweet to me today. Let's get in on the C Spire text line, the Super Talk call line, and do some more weekend gardening. Coming round, carry on, carry on. With darkness all about, you want the screen to shut. Carry on, carry on. Don't cry, baby. Look at where you've been. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. This is Ernie Johnson Jr., and those are the stories I love to tell in the broadcast booth. But the courage of college athletes is more than matched by another group of young men, the boys fighting Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's the most prolific genetic killer diagnosed in childhood, and there's no cure. But college football coaches are doing something about it, and you can help. It's called Coach to Cure MD. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill, or go online at coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501 today. Help college football coaches cure MD. You'll be proud you did. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association and Warner Ladder. When you choose Roto-Rooter, you'll get honest estimates and no hassle guarantees so you can get it fixed quickly and enjoy peace of mind. We're there for you 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, day and night, holidays, and weekends. We've been providing service to Mississippi for over 80 years. Call the original Roto-Rooter, 601-353-3333. Mention this ad to receive $25 off any service. Call Roto-Rooter, that's the name. Got a winkle troubles down the drain. Roto-Rooter. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again! If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, 
is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. Today on Hey Culligan, how smart is your water? Here's Tracy. Hey Culligan, I think my water might be dumb. Good news, Tracy. Your water's not dumb, it's just not talking to you. You can make my water talk. No, but the new Culligan Smart Drinking Water System can talk to your phone to tell you when your water filters need changing and help you meet drinking water goals. Now that's some brilliant H2O. You said it, Tracy, and we're already on the way. Let us help you out with a free in-home water test with a local Culligan water expert at Culligan.com. Innovative Health Clinic in Ridgeland has your answers for urinary issues. The Incella treatment option for urinary leakage is your solution. Sit down comfortably, remain fully clothed, and get rid of incontinence problems. If you have 10 minutes to spare and think this treatment option could change your life, call Innovative Health Clinic today to set up a free appointment, 601-944-5585, or online at InnovativeHealthClinic.net. Dennis McLaurin Mercantile since 1871 in downtown Bolton presents Bolton After Dark. Cheers to 150 years this Thursday, November the 18th from 5 to 8 p.m. With music, food, refreshments, discounts, and more, along with the tour of the Cotton Gin with Mr. Ted Kendall from 5 to 7 p.m. Don't forget the $10 gift certificate to B-Town Steakhouse or Bolton Nutrition with a $100 purchase. It's cheers to 150 years at Bolton After Dark at Gaddis McLaurin Mercantile since 1871. This Thursday, November the 18th from 5 to 8 p.m. We'll see you there. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives and restore sight and health for many more. Sign up right now online as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. I like it when there's something I can actually identify and there's something else that I can't because it kind of gives you an idea of who I am and how I work. I've been doing plants and horticulture for a very long time now. But if I don't know, I'm going to tell you I don't know. And here's the answer. I don't know what cypress that is. It's sort of fooling me a little bit. But the um, the question about the, the one that's turned brown and the one that has stopped turning brown is that sadly that's probably not actually stopped and will continue at a certain point. There's two things that can do this to a cypress tree pretty easily. One is simple root rot. The, the soil zone, the root zone is too wet and stays that way for too long. Um, the second though, which is more likely in this case, is that you've encountered spider mites. And the way to determine that, and unless you know that that particular end of the row is wetter and deeper, you're probably looking at, at spider mites beginning their onset, so you're going to want to control that. Spider mites are insidious, because you don't even see them until you go look for them. Take a piece of white paper, hold it under one of those brown stems, one of the, the, the recently brown stems, because they've already dehydrated the others if it's them. Thump that branch, 
and look at the dust that falls onto the paper. If it moves, you probably have spider mites. These can be controlled with oil sprays. They can be controlled with miticides. Um, There are a couple of different ways to go, but you need to identify the problem first. If you decide that it's drainage, there isn't going to be a great deal that you can do to cure that for that particular tree, but if you decide to replace it, you'll want to improve the drainage in that area right away. I cannot identify, however, the caterpillar picture, although it's a cutie. Um, I'm, I, there's so many. I, I'm, I'm always hesitant to do this. I, there's maybe 10 or 15 that I actually just know. But the rest of them, there are so many different in different incarnations, shall we say, of those. Because as the larvae grow, they change, and they as what they eat affects what color they are, and all that sort of stuff. Um, if it's a stinging caterpillar, as she says, I really hate that for you, but I can't tell you its name. Um, that's just one of the things. I do, however, know that that sissy in the past, um, which I'm going to tell you all for you don't know that that's past Christian, one of the coolest places on earth. Um, she's got Turk's cap, and that's just beautiful. It's a member of the hibiscus family. And just so you know, Sissy, when you go to a plant swap or go down to a market there and people have got plants, you have the classic Turk's cap. There's also a pink flowered variety, and there's also a giant that will make flowers about three times the size of this one that you have. It's fun, too, but it's a, big, it's a bigger plant that you may not have room for. But I love Turk's cap. Um, Alvin and Brandon loves my buffer music. Thank you very much. We call it bumpers, but we'll take buffer. Either word is good. Either one is good. Um, oh, Bill. Bill's in Grenada and got pond problems. Let me um, let me think about that one for a minute. That's tough. And oh, those giant Eliagnus. Love, love, love. To make them fill in a gap for screening, do I trim the tall, thin shoots or not? Yes. Right now, my the the Eliagnus between me and my neighbor that I cut for the branch for those whips because I think they're so beautiful in floral arrangements, in in designs and stuff. They're gorgeous. But yes, though, if you let those go, it's going to get taller. If you cut them off, it will stimulate growth down underneath. And it's not to say that you will be able to get as much as you want, but yes, trimming them is part, and trimming and pruning the whole thing is part of what, in every evergreen, including Iliagnus, causes them to branch out lower on their stems or lower on their branches and give you some more thickening um, that you're looking for. It's a really good question. We don't think about that too often. We, we sometimes wait until they absolutely need, you know, completely to be renovated, and then we have to prune them a lot. But you don't have to prune them too much. That's the good news in this case. Um, pond, three to four acres. It's very slick and muddy. Well, let me think. Let me think about that. Ponds are tough. Um, we, we don't want to do the wrong thing, but at the same time, we want to get them to where they're a little bit cleaner. I don't uh, I have to think. I may, I may need to ask you some questions. So watch for a text back from me. I'm happy to say that I have new subscribers this week. We have new people in the Garden Mama community, and if you would like to join us, please do. Come on along. Um, As as we say, it's a merry band, and we have a good time. We enjoy asking each other questions, and and I love what y'all are able to tell me all the time about what you're doing. I wrote about Camellia Sasanqua, 
and um, I've already gotten a text that says you shouldn't capitalize the second because it's Camellia and Sasanqua is not capitalized, but I'm writing about it and it's a headline, so I capitalized it. That's why I did that. You interested in a weekly drop of garden info every Friday into your email box, or maybe you've got somebody else that uh, you'd like to give a gift to? All you have to do is send me a note, Mama on Air at yahoo.com and I'll let you know. You can also go to patreon.com slash gardenmama and find me there. Okay? Okay. I talk about variegated wax ivy very, very seldom. There's, it's, a, it's a name. It's kind of like the name ivy. It applies to a bunch of plants and you sort of have to sort through which ones are which. But in the case of the the waxy leafed ivy that I'm that I'm growing right now, uh, I'm happy to say it, it's doing well. I have put it to root. I ended up having it got too wet. It stayed out too long. Got in some rain and and lost some of the. You know you hate it when a vine has growth in the container and then it also has growth down at the end about two feet you know away from there. But there's nothing in between. So I did cut it back and I'm rooting those tips that had had nice leaves on them. This is something I probably don't tell you that often. If you will put a little bit of fertilizer in the water that you're trying to root plants in when you want to root them in water, you'll have a little bit better success. It doesn't make all the difference in the world. Some things still don't root and some things do. But it gives you a better a better set of chances. It gives you a little increase increases your odds a little bit to help with that. Um I I have to tell you, I'm really tickled by how many people from Mississippi, now and I, I watch for Louisiana too, but I celebrate people from Mississippi because that's where I am. That's where I live. I also celebrate folks from other places if I happen to have ever lived there. But I got to tell you that I am really tickled that, that both the Food Network and the Bravo folks have all figured out how smart and clever and wonderful we are. Um, the, the, the baking champions and uh, the Project Runway people and all that. This is very cool, and I, I'm, I'm going to keep you up to date on it as it goes along. Um, I'm, I'm happy to say that uh, we've we got some winners. But since you, you may not have seen all the iterations yet, so I'm not going to give it all away yet, okay? I will give this away. I live with one of the most placid dogs in the universe. She, she'll tell you happily what it is that she wants and what she needs to do. But she is never aggressive. Um, don't tell any of the neighbors that, because when she goes out and barks, she sounds like she'd come get you if you if you wanted to bother me. And I like that. But as a personality, she's very very calm. I don't know that that has anything to do with me, but I do know that recent research from the University of California Davis is letting us know that common household noises, which I go to a long extent to try and muffled myself because I live on a busy street really does make dogs nervous common noises we we think about the classic um you know you turn on the blender and the dog starts howling or you 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 turn on the vacuum cleaner and the chihuahua wants to ride it i mean i've had a friend that had that dog you know it's, and we think about these things but sometimes that's a stress reaction and in fact we all know about thunder blankets and we all know about dogs that like my friend's dog would run into the bathroom and jump into the laundry hamper, except he was like 60 pounds and the laundry hamper was two by two, you know. It's kind of a tight fit, but he liked it. He was comfortable there. He was safe. But we all have seen these things, and but we don't really know 
what they're about. Now, one of the reasons that I'm telling you this is because it was published in Frontiers in Veterinary Science, where I actually had one of my dogs years ago written up in that because she had such an unusual situation. She was fine, but it was just unusual. What they found is that the battery warning of a smoke detector and sounds like that, that are high frequency but intermittent, because you hear it and then you don't, you hear it and then you don't, and that those are the noises that really are more likely to cause dogs anxiety. Now, none of us want our smoke alarms to be going off, but there are a lot of other sounds that can actually do that. We under, underestimate their fearfulness, according to the researchers, because we, we really can't read their body language, and we, we're not necessarily as in tune as we would like to be with what exactly is going on with them. There's a mismatch, as they tell us, between our perception of the amount of fear that the dog is actually experiencing and our awareness of it. Sounds like our relationships with people, too, doesn't it? But anyway, some sounds are just painful for dogs, and we should be aware of that. We should, we should try and, you know, keep, I mean, even the beep of the microwave drives some animals, just some, some dogs particularly, just sends them right over the line. So don't do that, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm tickled by this, the whole notion that we're studying these things. Um, I, I've, I've always loved understanding more about the creatures that live around me. But I have to tell you, I'm really tired of reading studies about mice and squirrels, so it's nice to have one about dogs. It's, it's interesting. Very different. Very different stuff. Some plant research coming out in the recent days um, tells us stuff that we already knew, and yet at the same time we know that they got to look deeper into it. A new study is helping us understand more about agricultural runoff, how it contributes to the warming situations that we have, and indeed what some of the greater consequences are as it increases, and also, thankfully, to be hopeful, what we can do about it. The, uh, the microbes, of course, in our soils and in stream beds as well, contribute to the denitrification process. That's what we, we fondly call that natural rot, because that's what's actually going on. Nitrate in that point is either converted into harmless gas or into O. So how it all works have been a mystery, and if we can figure it out, we can keep them going in the safer direction rather than in the more difficult one for us to deal with. I like that. Quantified N2O in, good heavens, 72 streams. I mean, they literally just studied everything. And that's what they found. Good grief. University of Massachusetts Amherst. You know, I actually got a question. You know, you always talk about uh, different plants and different species. I actually kind of want to know, and I think the viewers can actually agree with me on this question. What has actually been your favorite plant that you have uh, grown so far in the past year? In the past year? Well, let's see. Probably, right now I'm, I'm growing um, a Queen's Tears, which is a Bilbergia. And it is a, it's a bromeliad that I've not, I've had, I've had them around, but I've never actually grown them until this last recent period of time. My very favorite thing to seed, though, this last year has been parsley, because every time I've put it in the ground, it's come up. I'm angry at lettuce. All my lettuce is kaput. But the parsley's doing real well. I will tell you, though, that Queen's Tears is one of those plants that we don't see often enough. And mine, there'll be pictures of it. There's a picture of it in the newsletter this week. But there'll be pictures of it 
oh, probably in two weeks, it'll be full full flame. They have a long, bright pink bud, and then when it opens, it becomes yellow and blue, just sparklers coming out the top of it. It's just a beautiful flower, and it's one that you can keep for years. It'll. It's not like there's some bromeliads that just die after they bloom, and you have to raise the pup. But in this case, this one will keep going and will rebloom several times, so I like that better. Makes me happy. That's actually very interesting. I'm I'm not usually a gardener myself. Uh, the last time like I gardened was like with I think it was with my mom. We were living in North Carolina at the time, and my mom and my grandmother they were both planting uh, little flowers just on the side of the house before we moved to Pearl. And um, it was actually neat little plants. I forgot what they were called, but it was like a pink, uh, it had pink petals, and it was kind of like maybe about a foot tall, I think. I'm, I'm not 100% sure um, which one it was, but we, my parent, my mom kept them alive for maybe about a couple weeks, and then like she, it just kind of died over time because we didn't take really good care of it. But it was actually really neat plants. Oftentimes when we're getting ready to move, we try to spruce things up a little bit outside. And how long that lasts kind of depends on the next people in the house. But there's one of the things about North Carolina is that they have a lot of the same plants that we have, but they have another level in in some cases. Um, My friends that have, have gardened and my friends who live there oftentimes send me pictures of things that are just a little bit different. That's kind of fun. I appreciate y'all putting up with me this morning. Daniel's here. I'm here. We got the phone line. We got the text line. And yeah, I'm a little crazy. This is Weekend Gardening. for a contractor for your new home or remodel? Go licensed. Unlicensed contractors may try to convince you that pulling your own permit can save you money, but they may do shoddy work, or in some cases, no work at all, costing you far more in the long run. Protect yourself and your investment by comparing estimates from three licensed contractors. Remember, go licensed. For more information, contact the Mississippi State Board of Contractors at msboc.us. Do you ever feel like you're in the dark? Well, with a propane generator, you'll never be in the dark again, at least when the lights go out. Enjoy the comfort and safety of knowing you have a propane generator always ready when the electricity goes out. Propane generators are sure you'll always have power. Propane-fueled, clean cooking, hot water on demand, warm and consistent heat, and power when you need it most. Why would you choose anything else? Energy for everyone, propane. Visit MSPropane.com. That's MSPropane.com today. Last year was a very tough year for the restaurant business, but our family of restaurants want to say to you, thank you. From Salad Lucas Jackson, thank you. Thank you for always coming back. Thank you from all of us at Bravo. Thank Thank you you so so much. much. From Broad Street Bakery, we thank you. Thank you for your support. 
Another way we can say thank you is our annual gift card sale. Buy three, get one free, and 10% we give to charity. You can buy them at the restaurants or online. 3in1giftcard.com. Attention, if you deal with anything from minor to extremely hazardous environmental spills, you've got to check out the full line of absorbents at ESI Supply. They've got white and gray absorbent pads by the bundle or by the roll, sock knit broom products, oil gator, oil dry, spill kits, and more. Just because you haven't had a spill doesn't mean you won't. Give the guys at ESI a call to find out more about how you can be prepared and protect your business's liability. 601-933-4910. That's 601-933-4910. Or visit ESI SciSupply.net. Hello, my name is John Merrill, the owner of Amada Senior Care. We're your local trust advisor for senior home care. We provide experienced caregivers for your loved ones so they can remain in their home. Just like you would care for your loved ones, our employees provide assistance with their personal care needs. As your trusted senior advisor, I can help your family navigate the long-term care insurance process. Just call me, John Merrill with Amada Senior Care, for your free in-home consultation, 601 864-3752. Marcus by Goldman Sachs offers personal loans with no fees ever. Banks offer coffee. So what's more important? A Marcus by Goldman Sachs loan with no fees that could help consolidate debt or bank coffee that tastes like bank coffee. You can money. Visit Marcus.com to learn more about saving, borrowing, and investing from Marcus by Goldman Sachs. Investing involves risk and investments may lose value. Brokerage and investment advisory services by Goldman Sachs and Company, LLC. Member FINRA SIPC. Lending and deposits products provided by Goldman Sachs Bank USA. Member FDIC. Do you suffer from allergies, sinus or respiratory problems, or just want to improve the quality of air you breathe in your home or business? Pure Air Consultants can help. As your indoor environmental specialist, we clean air ducts, install UV lights, and service all makes and models of heating and cooling systems. We offer the most dependable Energy Star qualified systems in the industry. Call Pure Air Consultants today, 601-939-7420. A proud provider of Ream Home AC Systems. <laughs> Are you feeling it? <sighs> Ream, the new degree of comfort. Upgrade your career today at Ag Up Equipment, your hometown John Deere dealer. Our service techs don't just fix tractors, they're passionate about solving problems for our customers. From yard of the month to farm of the year, we keep our customers running so they can harvest their land's potential. Don't just settle for a job, come to Ag Up and start a career. Great benefits, family atmosphere, and values. Visit our 16 hometown locations or agup.com to view and apply for job opportunities to move up close to you. never let me get away with a reference without asking me what what and the people that who text me are a vicious bunch sometimes who are you talking about from Mississippi who are you talking about I'm talking about Renee LaRanger from Waveland of course she won the holiday baking championship and for those of you who don't know and you should her bakery is sugar pop bakery and I wish I was there. I mean, you know, it's one of those things. But it's a, it, it's just so fantastic. I mean, I don't know her. I've never met her. But I bet I know people that have been to her bakery, and I bet I know people that she's baked cakes for. And that's one of the reasons why I just love, love, love 
this particular kind of competition. When it comes down to, yes, the other person that she competed against was a fellow named Guillermo, who is a baker, man, fantastic baker. from He's from Jackson, Mississippi. And just magnificent cakes all the way around, beautiful things, crazy projects. They give, They tell them everything except stand on your head while you're baking. I mean, these are things I would never even dream of doing, but I sure do enjoy watching it. And uh, so, yes, she won. And, yes, she was the person who was there from the previous year. I like that. I like second chances. I'm big on second chances. And she knocked it out of the park. It was great. Dio de los Muertos, though, Guillermo was beautiful, absolutely magnificent. And now, of course, because Project Runway is is on, and no, I'm not going to tell you who I think ought to win, but I'm going to tell you that it's good. There's somebody on there from Mississippi, too. (laughs) How about that? Well, we're all worrying here in the garden world about what to do about agricultural runoff. Somebody asked a very smart question. Um, What do you do about that in your own yard? Well, that's one of the reasons for my devotion to sustainable gardening. And when I tell you that, I tell you that because I want you to do it too. I want you to use products that are not going to cause as much runoff because they're used and, and sequestered right there in your soil. Generally speaking, organic matter is going to do that, but you still can't use too much. You still can't overdo. Um, I, someone reported a year or so ago that almost every soil test that they ever saw from the middle section of the United States, you know, what they vaguely call the Mississippi River Valley, everything basically from Ohio to here, <laughs> kind of that this big section, that we, we're all loaded in phosphorus and potassium. That only and because nitrogen does get used up most quickly and is the most soluble of the major nutrients, you're likely to need a little bit of nitrogen even when you don't need anything else. Now this time of year, of course, we're not trying to push green leafy stuff, but before you go out and start what doing what they call root feeding, even what I like zero ten ten zero twenty twenty, even before you do those things, get a soil test. It's easy and it's really very helpful and very valuable. The good news is, if you don't understand what it says, there are people who can help you interpret it. Those are called your county agents. I can help you too, but they're even they're even closer to it than I am. Some more new research that I'm really excited about because I'm I'm that you know how we talk about how plants grow and we understand there's there's beautiful pictures of cells and the way that they work now that we're able to see those kinds of things, but I had never heard. The endosperm, the, the part of the part of the seed, okay, that surrounds the embryo of the plant. All right, it's it's the thing that feeds it. I knew that, but I'd never heard it called the plant's pantry. I love that. That's a perfect analogy for it, or or whatever you would call that 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 form of speech. A team has now shown that that endosperm really has more role to play than we knew, and in fact. It's the thing that disappears first when the seeds... Uh, you can see I've been on a quest to find out how come my lettuce seeds went bad on me. Because usually my seeds are fine from year to year. And it, I believe that I have had some endosperm damage to those seeds. In other words, they don't have a pantry. They don't have a nutrient source, which is why they're able to sprout, but they don't grow. And that's purely me. Nobody has given me a study to show me that yet. But because... That protective layer known as the cuticle 
in the seed is what they are really, really devoted to protecting and preserving, which is where all this nutrition comes from, I think I've lost it. I think I think mine don't have that anymore. <laughs> and that's why. Oh, my goodness, what beautiful pictures. John is just full of things today. Beautiful cypress tree, must be 100 years old, and a new painting as well. In case you don't, y'all don't know who uh, John is, John is... We we are we we've never seen each other in person, okay? But John's John's in Tallahatchie, and John paints, and John photographs, and he fishes, and he gardens. And I believe when we started, he sent me a picture of the river had flooded, and his Brussels sprouts were on a stalk standing up in the water. And of course, the jovial question was, "What do you think? Are they going to make it?" You know? And of course, he got to, got to pick them. But you know, however, he is a as I've told you before, he's a, an exhibiting artist, one who is quite famous in his own world, and I just am appreciative that he even takes a moment to pay attention to weekend gardening. He is a grower. He does does do these things, but mostly he sends art, and as he and I talk about from time to time um, in, in texts and on in, in here on the show, we're, we're here promoting art, even though you can't see any of it. So it's up to me to describe it in the best way that I can. Um, and in, in my world, John's art is I, this is probably not a term anybody's somebody's used it because there's nothing new in the world, but I see it as impressionistic realism, and I, I love it. You can see exactly what it is, but you're seeing it through John's eyes, and uh, that's one of the coolest things. Right now, he's sending me. I don't even know what this is, but they are beautiful, <laughs> just lovely. <laughs> oh my goodness, um, webworms. Nina's got them in Grenada. She says, do you have any recommendations for somebody who can spray up a country? I do not, but I can tell you that at your county co-op, they know all those people. And yes, it is difficult. If you happen to know somebody who grows a pecan orchard, they might have the capacity or they might have somebody who works for them that does it on the side, sprays other people's trees. But it's a very difficult thing. Um, and, and webworms are not usually a big, big, big problem. But I understand if they've gotten to the tree and defoliated it entirely, that you would probably want to do something about controlling them. And I would suggest that you get in touch. Your county agent might know, but your county co-op folks more than likely will know. Okay? That's really pretty, John. I don't. I have no idea. <laughs> but that's just gorgeous. Anyway, my uh, the, w- without that nutrient package, without the... The endosperm, as as they've just as they're letting us know in developmental cell journal, we really are we're learning so much. But now we understand that these particular new functions are actually mediated as the endosperm produces specific molecules, and we just have to hope that they can do that. Let's see if I can get Jim in here before we have to scoot out. Jim's in Laurel. What's up? Uh, cool weather. Yes, Garden. sir. Yes, sir. I love it. I mm-hmm. Garden, my water won't talk to you about. You was mentioning plums one day. Now, you and I are about the same age. I'm 71 now. Mm-hmm. But back whenever I was a kid, back in the 50s, right on up to, I'd say, the early 80s, there used to be plums everywhere. We mm-hmm. lived in South Laurel back in the early 50s, and there was plum trees. I bet you there was thousands of them out there around uh, where the airport is. Up and down 59, this road, driveway beside my house, they were up and down the road. You don't see them no more. You have given me something to contemplate, Jim. So if you will stay tuned, I will see if I can address that coming up in the next hour of Weekend Gardening. Okay? Hang on. Well, actually, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna let you go and I'll talk about it when we get back. Okay? Thank you, Jim. is about overcoming obstacles. This is Ernie Johnson Jr. And those are the stories I love to tell in the broadcast booth. But the courage of college athletes is more than matched by another group of young men, the boys fighting Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's the most prolific genetic killer diagnosed in childhood, and there's no cure. But college football coaches are doing something about it, and you can help. It's called Coach to Cure MD. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill or go online at coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501 today. Help college football coaches cure MD. You'll be proud you did. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association and Warner Ladder. This is Jack Hoffman. For nearly 31 years, Tico's Steakhouse has been a staple of fine dining in Jackson, Mississippi. Dad has long since desired for me to come work alongside him. And now that I'm here, I would like to invite you to come experience our family tradition of our hospitality, sizzling steaks, and healthy poured beverages. Our dining rooms are open and we are taking reservations. Our private rooms are also available along with takeout. Call today or stop in to experience Tico's in the second generation. Tico's Steakhouse, East County Lime Road in Ridgeland, 601-956-1030. Billiam Corporation knows the technology. Technology is constantly evolving, especially in these challenging times. With so many people working at home, securing and guarding your company's data on-site or remotely is more critical than ever. As we all adapt to the new normal, Pillium continues to help you stay secure and current with IT support and security and forensics, plus cloud services and networking, mobile communications, body cams, and in-car video systems. Contact us at Pillium.com. Smart people, smart business, smart solutions. You're listening to WFM. And Flora Jackson, Super Talk, Mississippi, powered by your tree professionals at Baroni's Tree Pros. Online at baroniestreepros.com. I'm Andy Davis, and you're listening to Super Talk Mississippi News. Congressman Benny Thompson is asking the EPA to investigate the handling of the Yazoo Pump Project. In a letter to Administrator Michael Regan that was attained by e News, the only Democrat in Mississippi's congressional delegation cited reports that the Trump EPA disregarded staff warnings about how the project could affect the Delta. Congressman Michael Guest was surprised by the move. It really seems counterproductive to his public position and the position that he's taking with other members of the delegation that he wholeheartedly supports his project. And kids ages 5 to 11 can now receive the Pfizer COVID-19 vaccine. State epidemiologist Dr. Paul Byers said the risk of contracting COVID still exceeds the risk of the vaccine. Infections do occur in children. We certainly saw an upswing in those age groups, really from 5 to 17 years old. We saw increases in infections, hospitalizations. Certainly we saw more deaths during Delta in kids. I'm Andy Davis. Hello, this is Rosie the Skunk for Atmos Energy. 
You might think I make a bad smell. I mean, of course you do. Why wouldn't you? After all, I'm a skunk. But my stinky fragrance is nothing compared to the rotten egg smell of a gas leak, because that could be dangerous. So if you think you smell a leak or encounter other signs such as hearing a hissing or blowing sound or seeing a vapor cloud, blowing dirt or bubbling water, do not smoke, talk on the phone, turn on or off equipment or vehicles, or do anything that could cause a spark. Leave the area immediately, then call 911 and Atmos Energy. Atmos Energy will send a trained technician to investigate the situation. Take it from a skunk, gas leaks just plain stink. Seriously, there's no gray area here. When dealing with gas leaks, it's black and white. Yep, that's a little skunk humor there. For more information, visit atmosenergy.com slash gas safety. The job of the state auditor is never easy, especially when you have to investigate those in power. Shad White told Ricky Matthews on Supertalk's Coast View he's developed thick skin when it comes to what people think. You're going to have to say things that are unpopular sometimes. You're going to have to do things that are unpopular sometimes. You know those folks who are affected by what you're doing are going to be talking about you afterwards. They may say some things that are not nice. Somebody may even misconstrue the statement I made or mislead people about how harsh I was in tone, whatever it may be. And you have to not worry about it. And Miss Mississippi Holly Brand is gearing up to compete for the title of Miss America in less than a month. In fact, it's the 100th anniversary of the pageant. I love Mississippi. I'm so proud to to call this state home. I've been born and raised here. Having the opportunity to represent our state and what's so amazing about it is just so exciting and an honor, especially at the 100th anniversary. So I'm looking forward to Miss America for sure. It begins December 12th with the finals on the 16th. I'm Andy Davis. As far as Mississippi, I'm Dixon Williams. As we get deeper into the month of November, the games get bigger and bigger and more important as far as postseason possibilities are concerned. Mississippi State is at Auburn this morning, 11 o'clock kick on the Plains, 9 o'clock airtime on the MSU Football Network. The Bulldogs are 5-4, and 3-3 three and three in the conference, while Auburn is 6-3 six and three and 3-2. Three and two. Ole Miss, meanwhile, will take on Texas A&M in Oxford tonight. 6 o'clock kick there, 4 o'clock airtime on the Ole Miss Football Network. The Rebels are 7-2, and 3-2 and two in the Southeastern Conference. Texas A&M is 7-2 and two and 4-2 and two in the Southeastern Conference. Other games in the conference is Georgia is at Tennessee. Georgia's already wrapped up the East Division. South Carolina is at Missouri. Kentucky is at Vanderbilt. Arkansas is at LSU. Alabama and Florida each step out of conference. Crimson Tide takes on Mexico State, while Florida takes on Samford. And the Southern Miss Golden Eagles are at San Antonio at 2.30. This is Sports Mississippi. Prevention providers such as insurance agents and doctors are necessary, but they're not free. Another is 811. By calling 811 before you dig, pull a stump, or erect a mailbox, you could be preventing a call to 911. This service is free, and free is a beautiful thing. Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Are you a landlord whose renters can't pay due to COVID? Don't evict. Ramp up. Ramp is the rental assistance from Mississippians program administered by the Mississippi Home Corporation. If you have tenants who need help paying past due and future rent or utilities where they're currently renting from you, RAMP may be just what you both need. So don't evict. Learn more at ms-ramp.com and ramp up now. In other football action today, 
in the SWAC, divisional races continue to tighten up. In the Eastern Division of the SWAC, the Jackson State Tigers look to clinch their first title game appearance since the 2013 season with a win over Southern University today. In the Western Division of the SWAC, Prairie View A&M can lock up the division title with a win over Alcorn State in action today. The SWAC championship game is scheduled to be played on Saturday, December 4th at the home of the highest-seeded team at the conclusion of the regular season. That could be Jackson State. The championship game is slated to be carried on ESPN2 on December the 4th. In the Gulf South Conference, Mississippi College is at West Alabama, and Delta State is at West Georgia. Hines, who upset East Mississippi last week, will take on Northwest of the Junior College Championship, and that will be a 2 o'clock kick in Cenotopia. I'm Dixon Williams. This is Super Talk Sports Mississippi. your host, the empress of everything green, Nellie Neal. Garden Mama's on the radio now to answer your questions and call you. Hello, baby. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. Woo-wee. You ever think about how much gardening and horticulture and agriculture affects your life? If you're like me and you see these things, you probably do. Seems like it's all the time. That means that the discussion Jim wants to know from Laurel from the previous hour, um, where'd the plums go? And Greg in Nettleton reminded me that we talked about that a while back because he asked that question. Where'd the plums go? I don't know the answer, but lately I think, because you think different things at different times, but lately I think they were displaced in many cases in the woods by other things that shaded them out. We think about, in terms of invasive plants, um, we don't always think about which ones are actually invasive until they get to be that way. And in the, this, the central part of the southeast, the proliferation of ornamental pear trees into seeds that become trees out in the woods has really been something. They're not necessarily growing into ornamental pear trees that you're going to go dig up and do something with. They're just a, a kind of a weedy tree that comes up because the birds have brought them there. And they're pretty much in the places where the plums were. But Greg also weighs in and says that uh, the, 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 they were great. Where are they? They've gone. You know? And of course, there are people who grow plums. And we are, of course, happily able to find, thanks to Southern Fruit Fellowship and folks like that, we're able to find um, the, the classic varieties if you want to, for more proof of that, you can just about find Ozark apples nowadays. You couldn't find those for about 30 years, and suddenly they're back, which is wonderful. They're delightful. But I've got to say that the green gauge is the one that I miss. I don't see it as often, and I don't see the trees for it. So if you have any opinions on the plum dilemma, 888-808-8637, that is the Super Talk call line. 601-879-4395 is the C Spire text line. I'm Nellie Neal, known as the Garden Mama. Yes, I'm a little croaky, but I'm better. I thank Ken Hackman very much for coming to our aid last week. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not a person who takes illness very well, and I'm not a good patient. And particularly when it affects my voice, I get angry. And that doesn't lead to healing. So I've been trying to be very mellow and very healing. And that has led me to every thought about kindness. 
So you be kind, I'll be kind, and we'll be better people. What does that mean? Well, it's pretty simple. It means, yeah, you hold the door open for somebody. Yeah, you wave at the guy standing on the corner. Yeah, you you know, there's there's things you can do that don't involve you saying anything to anybody. And this week, that's been me because my voice is not that great. But it also involves how you think about things and how you think about yourself and thinking the best of those around you as often and as long as you can, which is why I bring to you today's Whoopi Goldberg's birthday. And I bring to you the quote that I love from her. She probably doesn't even know that people are quoting her, but I certainly am. She says, whenever you possibly can, be kind. Now, I like that. That puts a limit. We understand that there are limits, you know, so I like having that limit. Speaking of language and how we use it and what we do with it, I am, I'm, I'm always interested in the fact that if you just look, there's a bit of music, a bit of poetry, a bit of language from just about every area in the world over every time, and somebody has studied it, okay, which is part of what makes it so interesting to me. But the trans-Eurasian languages have always seemed, when I, when I studied linguistics as an English major, I was an English and horticulture major. For those of you that, that really frightens, let me tell you, it was the best place in the world for me. I knew I wanted to write, and I knew I loved plants. But sometimes those are not, those are not necessarily things that you think of as going together. But in studying language and how language develops and evolves, um, I knew that there were... There's all kind of stuff that because um, Japanese and 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 the the, the Koreanic, Koreanic and the Tungusic and the Mongolic and the Turkic relations of all of that, those are the base of base languages of this Trans Eurasian language. You know the ones that went across the northern part from Europe to Asia. Those are very specific, and they have more in common than it would seem at first. So people have long studied these things. But the question has always been, how do you figure out what came from where? And I really like that our buddies at the Max Planck Institute for the Science of Human History, who, frankly, if you're going to say you're going to study the science of human history, you better have a lot of oomph behind you, because that's a big, big subject, and they do. What they have determined, they have triangulated data from linguistics, archaeology, and genetics to determine where these origins come from and why these languages are alike and where they're different. And you know what the common thread is? Agriculture. The trade of plants and seeds from one place to another has caused those languages to move. We wouldn't know tulip if it wasn't for Turkey, I don't believe, because that's where that all comes from. But there are many, many more examples. Um, I'm not going to try and tell you about the Neolithic millet farmers, but I will tell you that they took a lot of language with them and apparently spread it wide and far. By itself, any one of these things, um, linguistics, which is my love, archaeology and genetics, those are, none of those is going to tell you everything you need to know just as one. And I really appreciate very, very much that they have put this together into such an interesting package so that we can see where these things come from and how they make sense together. I like it. You ever think about where those expressions that you know your mother or your grandmother or even you use, where, where they all came from? They all came from somewhere. Trust me, they all came from somewhere. Hardly anybody makes up anything brand new, even though we try sometimes. Mabel, you're in Jackson. What's going on today? I'm on, uh, 
I want to ask about the sugar, how to plant sugar cane. Okay. I have some cane, uh, a stock of cane I bought off this truck. Mm-hmm. And uh, I told my grandchildren that uh, my daddy used to plant a whole stock of cane. Mm-hmm. And I don't know when to plant it, so I want them to see how it works. Oh, okay. Um, is it is it getting dried out? Uh-huh. Okay. This is the time to go ahead and along each of those, you can tell I've done this before, you can go along those individual places where the cane comes together, each of those joints, and just cut in them. You, you may need a saw because when they start to get dry, it's tough. But you're doing this the same way that you would multiply bamboo. You're going to mark those because that creates a wound, and that's where that growth is going to come. So you scratch it just a little bit, maybe a quarter inch. It doesn't have to be deep. And then you bury it, and it's going to sprout from each of those spots. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of sugar cane as, as one who understands that sugar is both love and comfort at times. You know, you, 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 you stub your toe, you eat a cookie, you win a prize, you have a cake. You know, so I'm, I'm in favor of all of that. But you can grow sugar cane by the same way you do bamboo, just by cutting into those segments and, help, and letting them sprout by, by planting them. Oh, what okay. fun. They're so lucky. What cool kids. They're very lucky. Yeah, I, I, uh, could I plant it in my flower bed? Yes. My flowers didn't work that well. Yes, you can put it in your flower bed. Okay, and you said cut, cut a little... Uh, Just cut a little, make a little wound. Cut, you know, like if you got, if the thing is, um, if it's a, an inch and a half around, say, you're going to cut it in the top part, you're going to cut just about half an inch or an inch, a little bit of a scrape, just enough so that it's wounded, that that in most cases makes plants try to sprout, but in the case of cane plants, it very much does. Okay. Um, now, do I throw the little drive a little bit more? No, it's okay. You can go ahead and do it. What happens in the field, because they're harvesting at this point, you know, they harvest the cane in the fall, and then it just lays by, and eventually it comes back up again. So if they're going to plant new fields, they take the part that they've laid by and put out more. Okay, so uh, don't, cut, don't put it too deep. Right, just about an inch under the soil, maybe two. Okay. All right. All right. Let me know how it goes. That's fun. Let me know how that goes. Appreciate hearing from you today. That's fun. Grandkids, we do a lot of stuff for them, don't we? (laughs) We don't. (laughs) We do a lot of stuff. Um, That's a discussion for another day. But I, I will tell you that I don't know that I've ever had more fun than putting together packages for tiny children, and particularly grandchildren type tiny children. I, I have to think back to partly what would I have wanted when I was seven or eight? What would I, you know, what would I like? What would I, what would I want? What did I want that I didn't get? But also just things that you might not have heard about. So for me, that turns into things like crystals that you add the stuff to and it grows crystals in a jar. I, I like that. I think that's fascinating. Okay. And, and I'm still intrigued by it. But I first learned about those things when I was seven. Um, I first learned about, uh, oh, all sorts of things. Earmuffs. You know, if you've never had earmuffs, that's a very cool thing. But anyway, that's a discussion for another day. 888-808-8637 is the Super Talk call line. Thank you so much for using that today and every Saturday. The C Spire text line is 601-879-4395. Thank you all very, very much for using that as well. Um, and also for Mama on Air at Yahoo.com. Y'all are very nice to write to me and talk to me and tell me stuff. I will tell you, 
because I happened to wander into it. Um, the old dead site is still getting a lot of questions, and I'm going to harvest some and probably answer them. I do that only about once every quarter because it, it, I don't use that. It's a, it's a corrupted um, email system, and so I don't use it very often. But every now and then there's something in there I have to go look for. And when I see all of your questions there, I try and pull them back up. Those are from, that's the address from a newspaper column that has been defunct now for several years. <laughs> so you need to catch up. Mama on air at yahoo.com. <laughs> More on plums. Oh, Shiro plums. Yeah, yeah, delicious. Blake, you're absolutely right about that. Um, that that's very, very true. I'm reading your other texts. I don't know who you were talking to, but that's interesting. <laughs> Earthquakes. <laughs> that's fun. Yep, we, we did have fun um, at, at picking, the, picking those plums, particularly when they were maybe over the fence. You know, they were not necessarily in our place, but they were close enough to get to, get to them. Um, Oh, okay. Brett's looking for for some of that the the Terra Preta. I got. I'll I'll, I'll find. I'll figure out. There's a there's a thing going on about that. So I'll I'll get that get to you on that. Now talking about the pond we were discussing last hour. Um, the problem when a pond is three acres, and gets corrupted or polluted, it there's never one answer. The the questions go to what's in it. Where did that stuff come from? Can you stop whatever that is? And what effect is that having on the other things that are already living there? So this is a case where somebody really needs to be out there looking at it, maybe even take water samples, certainly identify the, the, the problem plant or the problem plankton or problem whoever it is. But you have to do that pretty much in person. So I'm going to tell you to call the pond people, call, you know, get in touch with your co-op, get in touch with the wildlife and fisheries, get in touch with your county agent. Somebody there's a there's a pond person out there that that whose job it is to make it work, okay, for you. Help them let them help you get some better advice than I could possibly give you from here. This is I can do a lot of stuff, but that's a that's a long distance. Tim's in Corinth on the text line. Are you doing turkey or gator for Thanksgiving? No. <laughs> How about that? Neither one. I'm actually thinking, there's, there's always turkey involved, okay? This is a big discussion in my family. Who eats what part of the turkey? And frankly, I don't like turkey gumbo. <gasps> she said it. She said it out loud. Oh, no. I don't. I just, I don't like turkey broth. I like turkey, but I like Turkey breast, I like turkey white meat, and I like turkey like in a hash with other things in it. You can put dark meat in there, that's fine. But I don't, I'm, I'm not a fan of that particular flavor. So it, 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 well, I, I seldom do a whole turkey. Um, I only do a whole turkey if I know there's somebody coming that wants that part of it because they're going to take it with them when they leave. I don't want it. <laughs> don't have room for it. <laughs> Go. But it is a question. I've never had alligator at Thanksgiving. If that's a tradition, I probably need to know about it. Um, my only experience with alligator, really, it, it, to any extent, I mean, I've eaten it a couple of times in a po' boy, but, but the alligator festival in South Louisiana was a... I, I, this, was, this was long enough ago that I'm not sure that you can do this anymore, that there were literally people just cooking on the street serving up whatever it was that you know their grandma cooked and it was some delicious stuff i'm not sure i don't i think you have to have like 
formal catering and that sort of thing for those kind of events nowadays. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I do encourage you to try that sort of stuff. Good grief. It's for years, of course, before alligator hunting came back into the, the you know, when we, we before we grew enough of them to be able to hunt them again, we didn't even think about that. But now um, it, it's there, there's a certain there's a certain thought about it. People will tell you that it tastes like chicken. I don't think so. I think it tastes like alligator. Anyway, <laughs> how, how do things taste? Well, they taste like they taste, and it's up to us to figure out exactly what that is. I was really, um, I was having a rough day yesterday, and I was reminded of how much gardening does for me as a person who's always trying to stay on an even keel, always trying to think a little better of myself and those around me than I might at first blush. And I was really happy to reflect on my own background in horticulture therapy or horticultural therapy, however you want to say it. The notion being that it comes down to this. If you do what the plant needs, it's going to respond positively. Okay? It doesn't talk back. It doesn't question you. And if you do the wrong thing, it's going to give you some pretty strong signs of what you did wrong. That's also helpful. But the good news is it's a plant, so it may or may not be essential to your life. You can't make these same kinds of sort of rash decisions about other things. But with plants, you can decide, I'm going to try another fertilizer. I'm going to not feed this one. I'm going to see how this one grows in this particular setting. And as long as you do what the plant can take, things are going to come out positively. That goes directly to your sense of yourself. I've taught this in school. I've seen it a million times. And you have, too, if you just think about it. Nature activities, whether it, it might be taking a walk for you, it might be going out on a big fancy hike, you know, quote, unquote, where you put on boots and carry a backpack, might not be. But whatever it is, if it's in nature, for me, yesterday it was as simple as clipping the old blooms off the limelight hydrangea. Found two brand new flowers that I didn't expect to see under there. Got a whole lot of material for some kind of globe decoration deal I'm going to make this afternoon. And really enjoyed myself. But when I walked away from it, I felt better. Garden for yourself. Don't worry about the neighbors. Don't worry about your mama. Don't worry about even me. But grow something. It'll make you feel better. This is Weekend Gardening. If you are building a new home or remodeling an older home, Amazing Propane is for you. A propane tankless water heater, a propane generator, a propane gas grill and oven, propane fireplaces, and even lighting. Propane, such a versatile, clean, cost-effective source of energy for any home. Energy for everyone. Propane. Visit MSPropane.com. That's MSPropane.com to learn more. Prevention providers such as insurance agents and doctors are necessary, but they're not free. Another is 811. By calling 811 before you dig, pull a stump, or erect a mailbox, you could be preventing a call to 911. This service is free, and free is a beautiful thing. 
Hello, I'm Sam Johnson from Mississippi 811. Call 811 two days before you dig, and let's have zero damages, zero injuries. Hey, this is Bob, and if you're like me, you like dealing with local people. Majestic Metals was founded in Mississippi in 1954 and are headquartered right in Gluckstadt. For complete metal building systems and steel roofing and siding, call the hometown folks. Majestic Metals, 800-647-8540 or online at MajesticMetalsINC.com. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive results should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in. Hey, I'm here with Alex Murray of Auto Innovation. At Auto Innovation, we want to change your car buying experience. When you're in the market for a quality pre-owned vehicle, please come see us. We want to make friends, not just customers. All eligible vehicles are inspected by a Master Tech mechanic and come with a limited powertrain warranty on us. We are located on Highway 51 in Ridgeland. Come by and see us or check out our inventory online at autoinnovation.net. Let us change your car buying experience. Auto Innovation, Highway 51 in Ridgeland. The best made-to-order lunch in Northeast Jackson is at 4th & Gold Sports Cafe. The wings, the chicken tenders and bites, fried or grilled, and the best specialty pizzas in the metro. Call 769-208-8283. That's 769-208-8283. 769-208-8283. Hi, this is Keith Halsey with Halsey Insurance. As your local independent insurance agency, we guarantee fast answers and friendly service. When you have questions, we're here with answers you can trust. Our specialty is home, auto, life, and all types of business insurance. Partnering with the top insurance carriers, let us shop your insurance and do the heavy lifting. We'll find you the best coverages with the lowest rates. Call 601-856-7707 or halseyinsurance.com. That's H-A-W-S-E-Y insurance.com. Research shows moving is one of life's most stressful events, but thanks to Two Men in a Truck Ridgeland, it doesn't have to be. We have everything you need, a professional team who will customize your move, a schedule to fit your convenience Monday through Saturday, and all of the necessary moving supplies, including free padding and stretch wrap to protect your belongings. Don't stress. Let Two Men in a Truck handle your home or business moving needs. Visit twomenandatruck.com for a free, no-obligation estimate. Selling turnips on a flatbed truck Crunching on a pork rind when she pulled up She had to be thinking this is where it next come from She had Hollywood written on her license plate She was lost in looking for the interstate Needing directions And I was a man for the job Ah, yes, indeed, friends. It's all about sweet tea, huh? It just doesn't sing the same if you say half and half sweet tea, half straight, half sweetened, half, you know. 
doesn't work. You just have to sing about the sweet pea and the turnip greens. I'm happy to say that the turnip greens have done beautifully this fall. I hope yours have, too. Speaking of that, hmm. We don't. Our, our turnip green person is not weighed in this morning. We'll wait and see if we hear from him. I don't want to call him out. That's not nice. <laughs> um. Let's see. Um. I do not. I, Ray. I do not put the newsletter out in in um. Any any other source than email, and that's really where most of my stuff goes right now. Yes, I do have um. Good. I'm glad that the blight problem is getting better there in Clinton. Mine is, too, and I don't know that it's the weather. I really think some enough of the leaves have fallen off and I've cleaned it up, so I'm just not noticing it. Um, I, I have a feeling we've still got it. I think we've just, we live amongst overcrowded plants with a little more shade than we'd like, and we have nurtured that particular high-temperature fungus for too long, so we have it. But getting rid of it does help at times. Um, I do talk about what to plant and what season, and I live in Zone 8, so I'm fairly Zone 8-centric. Um, but yes, Ray, I do tell you what to plant. That's part of the newsletter. What to plant, and in fact, what to pick. It's what you should be getting today. So anyway, thank you very much for all that. Um, that's a good one. Thank you, Greg. And it, it and it is true that happiness isn't having what you want, it's wanting what you have. It it can be it's kinda like saying, Well, I'm sorry that you don't feel well. I hope you feel better. Well, that's true. But if you can help me feel better, then that's good. So if I'm if I can have a few things around that make me happy, like plants, I'm more likely to find that happiness in what I already have. Um I'm I'm not I'm not a big collector. I, I have, I'm an inheritor. I've inherited a whole lot of stuff, and you all probably do this as well. You look around and you say, I, I wonder if that's interesting anymore to me. Let me go and see. I just found two boxes of children's toys that I don't think are even going to be, I mean, it's wooden blocks. It's not like anybody couldn't play with them. But I'm not sure if they need to be at my house. You know what I mean? There's, there's things we have to go through and look at and figure out what to do. Make them, put them somewhere else. Talking about terra preta, in case you don't know what that is, it's the, uh, it's basically an Amazonian soil that's deep and dark. The question has been, and Smithsonian did a bunch of good research about this a number of years ago. What um, did they mean to make it, or did they leave someplace and it? You know, it ultimately found its way into being biochar, and it is wonderful to add in for growing things. It's gotten very expensive because the places where we make biochar are generally pretty far from the places where we'd like to sell it. So that whole business of bagging, shipping, processing, all those things have gotten very, very expensive. But it's still a really good product. Um, I don't know for sure. There used to be several brands that Home Depot and, and other big box stores kept. And of course, you can always ask at your local independent garden center if there's somebody there that uses biochar, they probably have it, or they could get you some either way. Okay. So I have been feeling better. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that gardening makes me feel better. I cut those flowers off. That was when I was talking with a person in the previous hour about the nephophia, the red hot poker plants. I literally stood there yesterday and thought, when can I move these? They have gotten, um, they were there before the Vitex tree got to be huge, and now the Vitex tree is huge. So the, the red-hot pokers need to be at least spread out. They're certainly shading the blue salvias that are behind them. 
the whole thing is kind of needs to be reworked. But um, the good news is I have a friend who's interested in propagating some plants. So I said, please come over. I have lots of things. We can dig them up and divide them, you know, do whatever you need to do. That's all about improving your mood through horticulture, reducing anxiety. I don't have to worry that they're going to overwhelm themselves because my friend's going to come dig some of them up. But it doesn't really matter which outdoor activity you're doing if it makes you happy, and then really if anything makes you happy in your early part of adulthood, which I'm going to say, even though they don't tell me this, I'm going to say adulthood legally starts 18 or 21, depending on where you are and what the issue is, but I don't really think you're an adult until you're around 25. And we start around 25, and it's not that you're not taking care of business and and fully employed and, and working hard, but your brain still isn't quite your brain is still growing at until you're in your mid-20s in most people. And frankly, you, you've not begun to start having a little impulse control, and you haven't started to begin to look farther into the future. Now you say, well, so what does that do for all those people that, you know, got their careers and their, their marriages and their children in their early 20s? I, I say, that's great. Y'all are ahead of the game. But in my case, and in many others, the notion that we want to be happy is a, a motivator, but what makes you happy may be different from decade to decade. So that's why I say when we talk about adults, that happiness in the early part of your adulthood, career success, educational success, family success, horticulture success, can all give you the, the oomph you need, indeed, as we are learning in these new studies, to keep you healthy and happy for many, many years to come. That's really good. The other thing about this particular dynamic is that even just that little bit, you know, I, I went through the, I, I came up through the time when I'd been gardening forever, and suddenly they told me I needed to jog three miles a week. Not anybody did tell me personally, but the society said, you need to be out there jogging. And my answer was, I've had three surgeries on my knee. I don't really think jogging any more than water skiing is probably a real good idea for me. It's not. But what about just basic physical activity? Oh, no, you got to raise that heart rate. you got to do this, you got to do that. Well, those things are good, okay? But if your alternative is to do nothing, then that's not good either. So if your alternative is what we call mild physical exercise, raking the leaves, trimming the plants, taking care of the garden, that's all really good for you. And it immediately improves your memory function because you look behind you, I mean, we understand this cognitively from studies that they've done, but in our lives, what it means is you look behind you and you say, oh, I missed that one, and you go back and deadhead that plant. But it also says, oh, here's what I need to do tomorrow. Both of those things are memory-related, okay? And so they, 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 you have to have a point of reference, which is where you are now, but in order to have it be productive for you and make you happy, you need to remember a few things. Mild physical activity sets all of that off. It's very exciting. Um, and, and frankly, for those of us who aren't going to jog or any of those other things, I do love weight work, but it's, you know, my, in my world, that kind of comes down to what are you lifting and what are you, where, how far are you pushing it, and I don't really know how much it weighs. All right, but I do love weight work. I find that very, very wonderful. Because it also du- directly goes, these are studies from all over the world that I'm bringing you the pieces of. I encourage you to do some research yourself if you want to know more about it. But, for example, from Florida State University just in October, 
They let us know about the sense of purpose. So we understand that we're getting better opportunities at memory because we're doing physical activity, we're doing horticulture therapy for ourselves, we're doing things that are active, all of those things contribute to better memory, and that sense of purpose is also associated with that. Now, you can understand that if you don't remember what it is you wanted to do, it's hard to have a purposeful opportunity to do it. You know, you're not going to be able to think consciously about I don't know, building a house or making a cake or planting a garden if you're not actually realizing the better the memories that you have that are going to take forward to make this next experience better. So I think this improved sense of purpose is part of what gardeners just take for granted. And congratulations. Now we just need to spread it to everybody else. <laughs> so no question about that. I do love the um, notion that we study stuff and we learn things that we haven't learned before, but these are the lessons that we have known and we're now codifying them. If you sit and stare out the window all the time, it's hard to get anything else going. Um, same thing is true if you just plunge into work and never breathe, you know, just, just work, 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 work. You, there has to be a balance, and part of that balance is physical activity. It's also to improve your memory, and it's also, frankly, going to make you happier. Okay? Lecture over. Now, 888 That is the Super Talk call line, 601-879-4395. That is, in fact, our ceasefire text line. I'm not one who is um, given to too many flights of fancy. I'm... I'm I'm known to, to have some things, I, I think about things sometimes that are not ever going to happen, so maybe those are flights of fancy. Um, my, my current one is that I would be able to paint the entire inside of my house in, in one operation. <laughs> That's not going to happen. But there, the point of making these decisions is because we want to study what is and what isn't in order to proceed better with both of them, Okay. University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, you know, it's one of my favorites. So one of my friend's daughters graduated there. This is from their Institute of Genomic Biology. I love this. We know that everything that grows photosynthesizes. Plants, that's the whole way that, that, that this whole business works is, how, is by photosynthesis, okay? We take in the energy, we process it, and well, the plants do, and then we put it back out there, all right? Millions of people in Asia, as you probably know, are dependent on rice, even more so than we are. Okay? So studies of rice are not uncommon. But this latest work, been done by the University of Illinois at, at Champaign-Urbana, Urbana-Champaign, I'm sorry, has been to look at things a little differently. Previously, the researchers focused on photosynthesis in constant highlight because that gives you a set of not only um, results, but results that you can aspire to. Okay, I, I think about the fact that when I was in college in, in horticulture school, you, you wanted to harvest on Friday, but you also wanted to harvest. You wanted to leave the one for the next week that was going to be even bigger so your weights would be better, all right? So it's the same sort of thing. We look at how they grow, but then we look at how that affects us. And in this case, what they had to do was to really look back at the different environments and recognize that wild rices and domesticated rices do not act the same way. 
We didn't know that before, and now we do. We People who've grown them certainly knew this, but now we understand that the switch in how much carbon dioxide they take up and what that makes for the individual plant as well as for the species. It's really cool. Sheila's in Picayune. Hello. Welcome into Weekend Gardening. What's going on today? Hi, Sheila. Hey. Uh, yes, I have some black uh, spots on my trees. It's starting at the base. It rubs off. I just don't know what to do. What kind of tree plant. is What kind of tree is it? I have, like, the holly. Okay. Holly. And you can rub it off? All of them. Yes, I can rub it off. Uh I've been trying to wipe some of it off, but then I'm looking at it all over my tree. Okay. When you have a black um, spottedness or, or streaks and whatnot that can rub off on trees, on woody plants, even on some other things, but mostly on woody plants, they are experiencing sooty mold. Now, the bad news is that sooty mold is in the air all the time. The good news is that it only falls and grows where the environment is hospitable to it, so that's why we don't see it every day. It is, however, the result, that environment where it can grow, is the result of insects feeding in the tree. So since yours are completely torn up by this stuff, I want you to try to identify the insect, but be aware that it is most likely that you will have to use a systemic insecticide. That's not one that I recommend for very many things, but it is a, it's a capture. It's a savior, all right? It's the one that's going to kill the bugs from the inside of the plant, which also means you're pouring it on as a drench so you don't have to spray the tree. That's handy. And it will be taken up by the tree. But it also means that anything that gets in there to try to feed is going to get dosed with the insecticide. That's good for the one that's bothering the tree. might not be so good for some of the ones that you would like to be there. However... When we come to a position where we have to save the tree, a systemic insecticide is the way to go. Bayer makes one. Orthene makes one. Garden centers have them. Big box stores have them. And I would, what I, here's what I would do. I would go out with a spray bottle of soapy water and wash off some of those leaves. Just see, what, see if that actually can clean off. If that's the case, get a systemic insecticide and treat the base of the tree. You can still wash the rest of it off if you don't want to look at it, but that will stop the damage. Okay. Thank okay. you. Thank you, ma'am. Glad to hear from you. I love Picayune. Just looking at some beautiful pictures. Um, they've got so many events going on at Crosby Arboretum. Y'all need to be there if you're not already. Sweet place. I got family there, too. That's nice. Hey, now, you know what it is. Time is tight. Are you a landlord whose renters can't pay due to COVID? Don't evict. Ramp up. RAMP is the Rental Assistance from Mississippians program administered by the Mississippi Home Corporation. If you have tenants who need help paying past due and future rent or utilities where they're currently renting from you, RAMP may be just what you both need. So don't evict. Learn more at ms-ramp.com and ramp up now. The holiday season is right around the corner. So give the gift that's hard to wrap but easy to give. Give them a steal. 
From powerful trimmers, blowers, and chainsaws under the tree, to branded accessories stuffed in their stockings, the Steel Holiday Gift Guide has something for everyone. Visit your local steel dealer or go to steelusa.com slash gift guide. Real Steel. Find yours. Available at participating dealers while supplies last. No drip roofing in construction. The name says it all. Whatever Mother Nature can dish out, no drip roofing in construction can take care of it. With no deposits up front required. 601-371-1051. 601-371-1051. Make it a November to remember with a new Mazda from Mazda of Jackson. Come in during the Season of Inspiration sales event and get 0.9% financing for 36 months on all remaining 2021 Mazdas in stock. That's right, 0.9% financing. This will save you thousands in finance charges. We're also giving you an additional $750 in customer cash on new Mazda CX-9s and get your first year's maintenance on us. Plus, you can buy with confidence with a 20-year, 250,000-mile powertrain warranty from Mazda of Jackson. Our incredible credit team works hard to get you approved. 100% credit approval is always our number one goal. Bring in your current vehicle and we'll buy it even if you don't buy a new one from us. Don't overpay for your next vehicle. Get to Mazda of Jackson today during the season of inspiration sales events going on now at Mazda of Jackson where nobody walks away because everybody saves. I-55 Frontage Road North in Jackson. Call 991-2222 today. Mazdaofjackson.com. See dealer for details with proof credit on select models. Innovative Health Clinic in Ridgeland is now offering monoclonal antibody treatments. Monoclonal antibody therapy offers a way to help reduce and prevent severe symptoms in COVID-positive patients and for those who have been in close contact with someone who has tested positive. Most insurance providers will cover the cost. If you are uninsured, you may be eligible for reimbursement through the federal government. To find out if you are eligible for this treatment option, call Innovative Health Clinic today, 601-944-5580. In one way or another, we are all broken, cracked vessels. Life leaks out, but Jesus keeps filling. Hear Dr. Michael Ziegler's message this week on the Lutheran Hour. Each Sunday morning at 7 on Supertalk 97.3. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Cologuard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Cologuard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay zero dollars. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.
Thank you for listening to Weekend Gardening. It makes my week, and I'm happy to say that a lot of you feel like it makes yours, too. It's certainly a great joy to be here and a privilege to have this microphone. It's not something everybody gets. I'm, I'm lucky. But I work hard to keep it, so thank you very much for listening. I appreciate that. Yes, indeed. Put those crotons in the house. Um, even, even on the coast. <laughs> it's absolutely true. Uh, because crotons are very tropical, and they are particularly, even though their leaves look so tough and thick, they're very much affected by lower humidity. They're very affected by lowering amounts of lights. They don't like to be overwatered, and when it gets below 40 degrees, they start shivering. And that just, just doesn't seem like it could be true for such a tough-looking plant. They're wimps. And I like them. They're beautiful. But the more red in the color of the leaves, the more bright light they need in your house or an artificial light, you know, grow light bulb in the lamp next to them or something like that. Um, they're, they're not happy outside when the temperatures get chilly. No question about that. Um, I love Sue and Loosedale has a question, and I just I love it, but I really hate to uh, I hate to ask, you know, by the way. She, she, the picture that she sent before Sue did from Loosedale was um, the, the monkey vine that was growing up her crepe myrtle. I noticed this morning that mine's just starting to get crispy edges. I only let, I didn't really let anything grow. I didn't plant any, haven't planted any in ages. But I do have one or two that come up on a fence where they were planted once upon a time. I do not live where they are invasive. They can't reproduce enough or fast enough to cause a problem. If you do live where they can cause a problem, for instance, if you're in Zone 9B or any, you know, further further towards the coast and whatnot, pay attention and don't let them overpopulate. But I do love that plant. However, she's got what used to be a forest turned into a meadow by hurricane damage, and she wants to know what can I plant in the late fall, early winter that will give me lots of color. There's a lot of sunshine in there now. I bet there is. Woo-wee. Um... Sue, I'm going to say I would like to see you grow the perennials that, that we talk about seeding in the fall, as well as a, some of the annuals, particularly you're in Loosedale. You can, you can grow larkspur, but you're going to have to plant it this month in order to get it to bloom before it gets too hot next year. It's an annual, but I would do that. I would plant Coreopsis. I would plant Black-Eyed Susans, all these things from seed. You can plant plants if you happen to have plants or access to them, but all of these things can be seeded in the fall, um, and there's no reason not to. Because that's, frankly, that's the best time for them. It gives them the best start. And to do this, if you don't want to plant the whole thing, go out and dig up some patches. Just get rid of the weeds, say, in a three-foot circle. Because it's probably bigger than you want to plant the whole thing. But but take, some, take the weeds out. Stir that soil up a little bit. Plant some seeds. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, there's literally a dozen that you could start. So if it's, if it's a perennial and it grows from seed, particularly if it's native to the south, now's the time. I would say enjoy it and go for it. Um, it is quite a surprise when something takes out a whole thing and suddenly the woods becomes a meadow. All right? In my own back garden, and it's just about shady enough back there now that I could put the hostas back there. I've got four hostas that are trying to find a home, and I'm, I'm going to put them in there somewhere. But I had hostas growing back there. One of the first things I planted when I got here in the 90s. Um, well, then there was an ice storm. And so the pine trees that were in the back corner of the property all came down. They, they fell over in the ice. And as a result, I moved the hostas 
they've done fine, but now I have some more babies that I need to put someplace. And I was just looking back there the other day thinking, you know, it's about shady enough back there now because the, the other trees from the neighbors have grown up into that patch. Um, it's interesting how things change. And sometimes we have to make a quick result, quick action to take advantage of something that has changed. Sometimes it's as simple as waiting for the shade to grow back, but I couldn't have left those in there that long. They wouldn't have made it. It was mighty bright back there for a few years, for quite some time. Um, By the way, speaking of your brain and how it's affected by things, you may or may not want to know that the University of Minnesota Medical School is now letting us know that they have done, in in a pilot study with humans, they are able to poke in and improve specific brain functions related to self-control and to mental flexibility. Now think about it. I'm I'm one of those people that I've, I've had friends my whole life that had cerebral palsy. I've had friends all my life that have had Parkinson's. There's there's times in their life when they would really like that stuff just to stop. And there have been, as a result, many, many studies and many, many prototypes and some really good products and programs that have allowed and helped with that particular physical physicality of some of those things to not be so difficult. And obviously, self-control is something we would like to be able to do a little bit more to control, as is mental flexibility. Both of those things have a, a logical application in our own world. So I'm eager to see what comes next. Um, part of it's, you know, you feel like you get stuck in a thought. I, I describe it as a hamster wheel. A friend of mine um, who is a person who has um, some diagnosed um, paranoid schizophrenia says that she gets stuck in a train station and she can't figure out what train to get on and all that's the thoughts in her head. There's too many of them all at once. And so you get paranoid. You don't do anything. Well, that's what she's worked through and is, has done a real good job with. But it's not always possible to do that. But when you can and when you're conscious of the issue, things like this can be the real boost that that human brain function needs to get us into the next thing, the, the, the comparatively better situation. I like that. One of the things that happens in the newsletter each week is that I let you know about some stuff that is happening and stories that I will be bringing to the program. Here's the third one for today. I have, I, I grew up in a world, I, I, I'm not as uh, as old as Joan Rivers was, but I always appreciated her remarks about how her mother was a doctor's wife, and as a result, they never used a restroom in public. They wore gloves everywhere they went. They didn't wear masks, but they were very socially distanced from other people because her mother was always concerned about infection spreading or germs spreading. can be a little bit obsessive, granted, but we're not the only ones that think about these things. University College of London is letting us know that honeybees actually increase their social distancing within the hive. And when you think about that, the hive is literally body to body, right? But if there is a parasite, if that varroa gets to them, you know, and and, and all that, there's, there's some other issues that come along, they actually spread themselves out. This is in Science Advances, if you want to look. They demonstrated that honeybee colonies respond to infestations from the harmful mite, which is generally speaking the varroa, by modifying their use of space and sequestering off people and places. Okay? Wow. That's important to know. It's not something that we just dreamed up. It's something that is as natural as 
you and your community trying to avoid the varroa mite or the whatever it is that's coming to get you. Or generally speaking, the outer part of a of a hive is occupied by the foragers. They're the ones who come and go all the time, trying you know bringing food in and whatnot. And the inside, of course, is the nurses and the queen and and her babies. So. Keeping the distance between them is logical because you don't want to bring everything from the outside inside. It's why in many, many, um, it's why in many places we have we have to understand that there needs to be a space between us. And sometimes that's a really good thing. Let's put a plant in that space, huh? What do you think? Let's go grow something today. Come back again here next week for more weekend gardening. Weekend Gardening with the Garden Mama is a production of TeleSouth Communication. Sports is about overcoming obstacles. This is Ernie Johnson, Jr., And those are the stories I love to tell in the broadcast booth. But the courage of college athletes is more than matched by another group of young men. The boys fighting Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It's the most prolific genetic killer diagnosed in childhood. And there's no cure. But college football coaches are doing something about it. And you can help. It's called Coach to Cure MD. Text the word CURE to 501-501 to donate $25 on your next mobile phone bill or go online at coachtocuremd.org. Text the word CURE to 501-501 today. Help college football coaches cure MD. You'll be proud you did. Brought to you by the American Football Coaches Association and Warner Ladder. Are you the parent of a two to seven year old? Listen closely for an exciting free radio offer. By now you've probably heard of ABC Mouse, the Parents' Choice Award winning online learning program that's actually changing the lives of early learners everywhere. ABC Mouse is like a little one-on-one teacher. It has helped her so much. Right now we're offering a special radio promo to try it free for a month, but you have to go to abcmouse.com slash radio to claim your free month. That's abcmouse.com slash radio. Sponsored by Age of Learning. What if there was a paint that could awaken something as old as that Rip Van Winkle guy? Hey, what? Because it could adhere to the most weathered exteriors and completely restore its youth. Hey, there's hair on my head again. If a paint could give any time-worn surface stunning new life, is it still paint? Regal Select Exterior from Benjamin Moore. Paint like no other. Seabrook Paints in Jackson and Ridgeland. Visit SeabrookPaints.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.